Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befiga Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befiga uh, Independent the only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Benfica Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. É coragem, que é liberdade, que é crer, que é mental, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão com outra explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas, as always. Coming up to our penultimate show before we take a long-awaited break and put this, I don't know if you call it miserable or what season behind us. Uh, but yeah, what I'm, I'm anxious to get there. Uh, with me tonight, D Dave, we're, we're one Oliveira short tonight. It's not Dave. What's happening, Dave? Nothing too much. Yeah, at least we got to meet the quota of at least one Oliveira, right? If Chris isn't here, I'm I'm here to fill the uh, quota. If I'm not here, Chris is uh, here. But great to be back on. Uh, like you said, one episode left uh, to recap the the season and. What a recap uh, it's going to be. Stay tuned to uh, next week's episode. Uh, you, you definitely won't want to miss it. Now, for sure. For sure. Well, th thanks for setting up those uh, high expectations, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, Cristiano had to take the week off to rest and get uh, himself all ready for next week's uh, buy, sell, loan uh, segment. He's, he's taking notes. He's doing his homework and uh, he's really preparing for next week's episode. So yeah, the, the bar is being set really high for uh, next week's episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we're, we're looking forward to that, but more than that, we're looking forward to the end of the season. Uh, but before that uh, episode 409 is what we have for you tonight uh, on tap tonight. We'll look back at the uh, Derby uh, and we'll look uh, also at today's game, which I'll, I'll be honest, I'll go on record right now and say, that I did not watch the game. I did not watch any highlights. And I don't know if I was, if I was that was by design, but I had no desire to go and, and watch, watch the game or, or the highlights. Um, but uh, I'm excited about the Portuguese Cup, which we'll also uh, recap. So Sporting Guimarães and the Portuguese Cup preview, not the recap that we have coming up. The one trophy that we could still get this season uh, the one that always eludes us at the end of every season that we don't have enough of them in our um, resume, I guess you could call it. Uh, let's start with, uh, with the Sporting game. Uh, Benfica uh, played Sporting this past uh, Saturday. Helton was in goal. Verissimo, Tamendi, Vertonghen, Gonçalves and Grimaldo, Weigel, Tarapt, Pizzi and Everton, and Severovic, the lone striker Befiga coming into this game with uh, Rafa having picked up uh, a knock uh, and also Sporting still undefeated coming into this game and we all know how the game turned out uh, Befiga won this game 4-3 but uh, you know it's it, it's just it's just David so typical of the season how the team has had chances to really pull themselves out of holes or to really make themselves look good 
And then as it turns out, the second half of the game always screws everything up. Um, first half, perhaps the best half I've seen Befica play this season. Uh, players were confident. Pizzi had space. Uh, and when Pizzi has space, he is the king. Um but, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that has to say about Sporting because usually we call him the the Manku Master. But Sporting this year are, are champions, so I guess the Manku champions, at, at least in the first half, they might have still been uh, a little bit hungover after their uh, celebrations uh, during the the week there. But yeah, uh, for uh, easily one of our, our top uh, first halves or first, uh, halves of the season. Um, but but this is the same Benfica that uh, goes back to Vitoria days when we, if we have a good first half, you got to, uh, say a prayer, do the rosary because the second half, uh, we can't put two halves, uh, two good halves, uh, together. And sure enough, that was, uh, that was the story of, uh, this match as well. And, and not to jump ahead of ourselves, but one thing I really took away from JJ's, uh, post the uh, post-conference uh, interview there the flash interview he identified that there's there's players on this club that don't know how to play with with the lead right they Benfica only knows how to to go out and, and attack and and go for the for the goals and there's players on this club that don't know how to play with the lead and don't know how to defend a, a lead as well right that's the one thing that I, I definitely took away from jj's uh flash interview after the match yeah but whose fault is that shouldn't he be coaching the the team so they could conserve conserve the lead uh, i mean how do you conserve the lead passing the ball around make sure you're available to receive a pass players need to move to receive a pass and the best weapon against uh, against teams attacking you or to conserve the lead is to really to keep the ball, keep the possession, keep the ball away, play keep away. So if players don't know how to do this, it has to fall on him because this is one of the very basic concepts of football, keeping the ball away, keep a possession, make sure you have positive possession. And when it's not there, bring it back, recycle it. So the fact that he says this team doesn't know how to play when when or to keep the lead it speaks a lot about what how far he has coached this team in those terms and i get it if pifika likes to be an attacking team yes but you should also be a team that by possessing the ball you're keeping the ball away from your your opponent and therefore you're controlling the pace of the game and bifika couldn't do that and i don't want to take any any credit away from from what bifika did in this first half obviously but the fact of the matter is that the two starting uh, center midfielders for Sporting, Palinha and João Mario, didn't play. And if it was something that Pefica had control of in this game was the midfield, despite Tarap probably having one of the worst games I've ever seen Tarap have uh, with the Benfica shirt. Just to start the game, he had like three missed passes, dribbles right into players. Horrible, horrible game. Uh, by by Tarap, which ended up being substituted, uh, I wouldn't say that Gabriel brought much more to the game. I was gonna say if you thought uh, uh, Tarap had a bad game, uh, I I'm just it was even worse when when Gabriel got uh, subbed in. So if he was if he was having a poor performance, it went from uh, even worse once uh, Gabriel went in, and it was evident that uh, Sporting really took over the uh, the midfield and. Uh, really took over the second half there, especially when uh, Tarap came in. Yeah, absolutely. So first half goals by Seferovic with assist from Pizzi. Uh, then Pizzi got an assist, a back heel assist from Everton, who uh, it seems to uh, has finally adapted to the Portuguese game and is finally showing us why we spent that money on him and why we brought him from Brazil. And, and look, when, it, when I look at what Everton has done this season, yes, I'm disappointed. Um but there's always an adapt, an adaptation period um, from players that come from South America. Uh, and look, sometimes when you're a very good player, you don't, the, the adaptation period is much shorter. And I'm not saying that Everton is not a, a very good player. I just think that Everton's game has a lot to do with speed and time on the ball. 
Um, and I think that when you move from, from the Brazilian game, which is not so much of, of a tactical game, uh, to the Portuguese game where you will have a guy on top of you and another guy doubling up, uh, less space, the speed of play is also much different. You have to adapt a little bit. It's like trying to get on the, on a, on a merry-go-round that's already going around. You kind of have to adapt to that speed. But I'm glad that he's finally showing what uh, what he's capable of. So it, it kind of leaves me um, – that's one of the things I'm probably looking forward to in terms of next season uh, as what Everton can bring to this team. Uh, I don't think that he did extremely well to the point that there will be – a lot of suitors knocking on Bifika's uh, door, but we got the Copa America this tournament uh, this uh, this summer. Depending on his what his performances are going to be like, even if he starts, uh, are going to be like. Maybe it's somebody that uh, that we get an offer that we can't refuse, uh, and at that point we lose one of the gems uh, that was that uh, the Jugaru Triplo or Hazard was going to be uh, built on, Dave. Uh, Sporting was able to claw, claw one back uh, right before the half. What did you think of this half? Was this some? Were you watching this game like me? I was. I was very relaxed uh, watching this game. To be honest with you, uh, I wasn't nervous at all. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I, I shared those same sentiments. You know what? What I was actually doing? I was doing gardening, and I had the game on uh, on the laptop outside in the garden. So I was definitely uh, relaxed. Uh, I mean, the season's pretty much wrapped up at, at that point. I mean, at that point, we're still, there's still a chance for, for second place, but it's out of our, our hands. And like I said, I think Sporting was maybe a little bit either still drunk or hung over that, that first yeah. half resting uh, Paulinha and uh, João Mario uh, as well. But uh, Benfica, you got to give credit to the, the squad. They, they came in confident and uh, they looked like a team that, that was, uh, was confident and wasn't going to let uh, Sporting uh, dictate the, the pace of the game. And you could see with those little back heel passes from uh, Everton on uh, PT's goal, they had a little Jenga too, right? So I think they're, the season, you could already tell, was... Uh, wrapped up and the, you could tell that the players were playing with uh, kind of no pressure on themselves. Yeah, no, look, the, the game, the title game in which they clinched the title was on Monday. Uh, I'm assuming that on Tuesday they had a day off because, you know, obviously the celebrations uh, on Wednesday when they got back to practice, it was very relaxed that that pressure was off of them. So it wasn't really the normal routine, but I think that by leaving João Mario and Padinha off uh, the, the, the match, I think that you opened yourself up uh, for Bifica to dominate the midfield in which they did. Uh, coming out of the second half, Seferovic with the second penalty of the season for Bifica um, had his, his, his brace. Uh, and then from there, Gabriel came in in the 53rd minute. It was all downhill from there to the point that the last 15 minutes were like, I'm thinking, man, don't tell me that Bifica is going to end up tying this game because it certainly looked like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that um, at least we have a little bit of a feather in our cap uh, in terms of we were the team that stopped sporting uh, from having uh, an undefeated season. Uh, and like in the NFL, those Miami dolphins that pop the cork, the pop the champagne every time that a, an undefeated team um, loses uh, throughout the, the the regular season, I kind of felt like that, you know. Oh, you know, I'm glad that Sporting is is not going to be considered in the same or not in the same sentence and argument as the the 1972-73 Benfica's Benfica team and, and also the 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 big Porto teams under Andre Villas-Boas, um, which also went undefeated. But shit, that was tight at the end, Dave. But yeah, I expected it. <laughs> yeah, you could kind of, kind of tell how how it was going, but uh, we also we also had some opportunities in, in the second half that I think they just lacked, uh, lacked that finishing uh, touch there, uh, especially right at the end. I believe uh, just seconds left in the match, and Darwin uh, again is kind of one on one with the keeper and. 
he loves to just stop when he's on these uh, breakaways or he's just got a, a defender and he likes to just stop rather than taking the shot himself and looks for the the pass I mean man uh, man only is only was only uh, one assist shy of uh, tying Taremi for the uh, league's top uh, assist holder this uh, this season but we didn't pay the uh, 20 million plus for uh, assists or when we paid it uh, for goals. So that's hopefully something that uh, can be uh, worked on this off season, just getting that more of a killer instinct and uh, putting some of those chances uh, in the back of the net. No. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as Cristiano said, um, the coach doesn't need to motivate the team uh, in this, in games like this. And, and certainly Benfica was motivated, uh, but there was also, um, a focus on being able to feed Seferovic. And you talk about that Darwin miss, but also you got uh, uh, one with Grimaldo, which he had an open look on goal, even though it was a, a closed angle. And he tries to chip the goalie mm-hmm. to feed Seferovic for Seferovic's goal. And he ended up, we ended up missing uh, an opportunity. So that was that that focus too of, of giving Seferovic the, the leading or the scoring title, uh, which he ended up losing today anyway. Uh, but yeah, I thought the team could have done better in that second half, uh, controlling the game and, and managing Sporting. But, uh, you know, Sporting did what they could, and it was it was close for them. But the thing that upsets me the most is it could have been an historical result for Befica, uh, like the 6-3, for example. And I know that that game was, was epic in terms of the, the context of it, but certainly... Um, when you beat Sporting 4-1 or 5-0, whatever it is, it's a memorable result, especially when it's Sporting. You know, so I was that was my biggest uh, resentment was the fact that we could have had an historical result and we really didn't. Uh, but then again, what's an historic result when you just lost the league by, what, 10 or 12 points, whatever it was? Um, but certainly that 6-3 game also Sporting was the champion in that in that game in, in in that season if I'm not mistaken I might be mistaken but uh but yeah so derby I, I felt that uh, at the end uh, it was mission accomplished for Benfica in the derby um beating Sporting and, and really taking away that uh, that undefeated uh, streak that they that they had uh, so um that's it thoughts on that game or actually numbers on the game days. Yeah, first time since 93-94 that the uh, Derby has produced at least seven goals uh, during a league competition. Uh, first time Benfica scored uh, four goals at home uh, this season uh, in league competition. So that just goes to show how uh, how awful of a season that we do, uh, considering all these monkush that we played. This is, uh, we only got four goals at, at home and that was against the... Uh, the league champions, uh, Seferovic and uh, uh, Pedro Gonzalez scored a, a brace. I guess this is uh, uh with the, the league wrapped up now. Uh, Seferovic came up short, uh, but they both had scored a brace at this uh, time going into uh, the match where headed uh, head to head tied uh, with for the uh, league's top score yeah. and uh. At the end of the match, Benfica are now uh, guaranteed to finish third after uh, Porto beat Rio Ave, uh later on that day. So uh, we'll be qualifying or going into the third round of the Champions League uh, qualifiers, which uh, starts on August 3rd uh, or 4th. So early season for the 2021-2022 uh, uh, season. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And then we had the last game, which was played today. Uh, against Guimarães uh, at uh, Don Fonsin Rich. Uh, and uh, Guimarães still had a chance to, to qualify for Europe, but uh, Benfica was hell-bent on, on getting more goals for Seferovic. And the lineup, quite a, quite a few changes here in the lineup. Uh, Vlakudimus got a start. Uh, Verissimo Otamendi and Moratu uh, across the back. Gilberto on one side, Tavares on the other. Gabriel and Tarap in the middle. Pedrinho... Uh, under Darwin and Seferovic. So uh, quite a, uh, an attacking um, setup for, for Benfica with Darwin, hopefully with Darwin with his assist um, gift, <laughs> with, with this propensity to, to uh, assist 
maybe that's what uh, what uh, JJ was going for. But other than that, you know, uh, nothing to play for Benfica. Really, everything was already wrapped up. Uh, and like I said, I didn't watch the game. I don't know if you watched the game, Dave. Um, did you watch the game? I watched. I watched the game. I I I, I suffered through it uh, on behalf of the the podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> um, mo- Key uh, key points here. Moratu didn't look uh, out of place. Uh, looked comfortable uh, back there, and I believe JJ uh, commented after the uh, match that uh, he looked confident uh, playing in in the role. Uh, Verismo went out uh, with an injury and got subbed off uh, in the first half, so something to keep an eye out for the uh, the Tasa coming up uh, this Sunday against Braga if he'll be uh, healthy enough uh, or whether they keep the uh, the three-man back of Moratu, uh, Vertonghen, Otamendi, or if they go back to a 4-4-2 with the Otamendi and uh, Vertonghen there. But um, something concerning, especially in a match that really doesn't uh, mean much for us. We uh, really wanted to just uh, pad Sefetovic's goal stats and make sure everybody was healthy for the uh, the TASA final this weekend. So a little bit concerning on uh, Verismu's injury. Um, I don't know if anything's come out since uh, post-match, how uh, severe the injury was, but uh, I think it was a, a muscle. Uh, I don't know if it was a pull, but uh, from what I could see, it was muscle-related. Um, but other than that, yeah, the first half, not the greatest. It was uh, pretty much of a, a snooze fest. And uh, second half, once they brought in more of the uh, the regular starters like uh, Everton and Vitsi, you could see that the uh, the game changed. And Benfica was able to uh, put two goals in uh, from Seferovic. Uh, I believe 48th and 58th uh, yep. minute. And uh, and then same old Benfica decides to put it in uh, cruise control and uh, falls asleep there for, uh, for a bit. And uh, another match where it looked like we didn't know how to uh, defend the lead. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the 62nd minute, they get the, uh, the goal. 63rd, it, yeah. 63rd minute, and it comes from a... Uh, a shocker, a set piece corner where uh, Otamendi kind of leaves his uh, man unmarked and gets the header on uh, on goal there. And from uh, from that point, I thought uh, Benfica was going to concede uh, another goal um, from there because they just could not get anything uh, going. Uh, Guimaraes was uh, was really pressing uh, pressing forward, like you said, they had. Um, they had a spot uh, for the Europa Conference League to uh, to play for still, and uh, really just disappointing on how this uh, this team played down uh, down the stretch. There, it, it just all tied into uh, JJ's comments uh, after the, that sporting match about not knowing how to play with the lead and, and defend a, a lead. Ultimately, getting the result and the another goal at the end by by Everton. Um, but just really disappointing on how the uh, the team played after uh, after they went up two 0 Yeah, yeah. So Seferovic with uh, with two goals, but uh, Sporting's player would end up scoring three uh, in their game. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it's it's funny, right? Because and I know that the the, the league was already uh, wrapped up. Uh, first of all, there's a fiasco that the league only announced the, the times for these games like a, a day or something before the actual games. That in itself is an atrocity by a league that wants to promote this uh, this league or this football that's played in Portugal. And then the other thing is that you have two guys uh, that are based that are that are tied um, for the goal scoring championship in in Pot and Seferovic. And you have Benfica play first and then Sporting play last. So the Sporting player was going to know, and then look, it's, it's, it's irrelevant, right? You don't win any points, but still in order to preserve the spirit of competition for this trophy. And I'm sure that the league awards this player a trophy as well as money, as well as the, there, there's, the club has a bonus for the forwards. If you're the best scorer in the league, you get X amount, whatever, you know, it's not that significant, but there are minimal things at stake. 
nevertheless, you know, the league decides that Benfica is going to play first, Sporting is going to play next. So guess what? Sporting knew exactly how many goals they needed to score in order to beat Seferovic. Uh, and yeah, I think that I, was really, I don't know, man. I, uh, I was thinking about that too. I know because I don't know if it had to do with TV rights because Porto's game was actually before um, Benfica's game. And then in that middle chunk uh, between uh, Porto and Sporting's game, the rest of the league played. And then they just saved Sporting's match for after the Benfica match. So what happened to the the end of the season and everybody playing at the, the same time, right? I know that the league is already wrapped up, so they uh, they didn't necessarily have to do that. But yeah, when you have these little little things and, and clubs playing for uh, European comp- uh, competition spots and the relegation bat- battle was still going on, why why... I don't see why they couldn't have everybody play at the exact same time, unless it was TV, uh, TV driven, something where they, they couldn't have enough sports TVs uh, showing all the games at the same time. But yeah, it's something that I, that left my, uh, left me scratching my head. Yeah. Look, uh, if, if neither team has something to play for in terms of titles or, or positions in the table, um, you could have had both teams play at the same time and going back and forth to both games or have a picture in picture uh, in both games. I don't know why they didn't do that, but I think that, that like I said, it, it goes against the spirit of the competition. And, and, and look, the league as the, the actions that the league has taken don't surprise me anymore. Um, you know, starting with the, the scheduling of games and, and leaving it to the last minute to schedule games where you can't make travel plans to uh, if you're traveling to Portugal and granted this is a whole different scenario, but this has been throughout the years, the league has been known for this, for doing this. It's disorganized to the max. Uh, And this was just another example. Uh, And when you have a guy that was a referee that was a symbol of, of fairness, right? Because you think you think of a referee and you think as, as a symbol of, of fairness, right? A guy that's going to uh, deliberate whether one team is wrong and the other team is, is right in terms of how each team plays the games. And he can't apply this to his presidency of the league, to his managing of this league, which is, it, it's just dumbfounding for me, man. I just don't know... Um, where this league is going to go if you continue to have things like this. And it's certainly frustrating for fans. Uh, it's frustrating for, for teams. Uh, JJ said today that the, the, the league has no consideration for the teams. And I agree with him. Um, he's not the first one to uh, to complain about that. I've heard Conceição complain about that. I've heard Amorim complain about that. I've heard other coaches complain about that. The, the coach from Tondela, Paco Ayesteran said that he had planned out his team's week based on a particular time and everything got screwed up. Everything got screwed up. He had to throw out, out all his plans because of the league. And if the league is, is there to promote the sport and to make it attractive and to protect teams and to give teams the best conditions they can to compete and to really show themselves and to improve the the level of the league, this is an extreme disservice that the league has done to these clubs. And granted that the top spot is done, but like you said, there was a lot at stake for some teams in terms of making it to Europe. A team like Santa Clara, and, and again, congratulations to Santa Clara for making it to Europe. First time ever uh, that they've made it, uh, that they've made to Europe. But teams like Santa Clara, this could be that money from Europe could be half of their budget for the season. Uh, you know, and when I say Santa Clara, there's other teams that were fighting for, for, for other things, obviously. But it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's discouraging, man. And I, I know that, that there's a lot of guys that don't watch Portuguese football, that they only watch uh, Benfica or Sporting, whatever. And it's just like the league doesn't, attract anyone to to 
oh, I want to sit down and watch a Braga Passo Freira, which were two teams that were that had their moments this season. Passo Freira, I think, had an historical uh, placing in the league this season, but they don't they don't attract anyone. Um, Cristiano heard from a good, reliable source that being uh, is probably going to be carrying the Portuguese league games. How is this going to attract fans if it's if it's a miserable product that's put out? Well, we 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 speak about this in in podcast pa uh, past where we come up with ideas. So why don't they why don't they show or why doesn't the TV audience be uh, get the ability to listen in on the referees' headsets when they go to VAR? Right really progressive ideas here, but we can't even get the scheduling down. The league can't get the scheduling down. So if we can't get the, uh, the small stuff, like get it, setting a, a, a schedule ahead of time, dates ahead of time and times, obviously when we, when there's European competitions involved, then you make adjustments as, as, uh, as need be. But I think that's that's just basics 101 to set your schedule and times uh, months in advance so that people can plan uh, ahead of time if we if they want to go on these trips or even people in Portugal just so that they know uh, ahead of time what uh, what's going on in terms of uh, scheduling for the league. But there's many there's a lot of things that need to be uh, fixed with this league and unfortunately we can come up with a list of great ideas but they're just so stuck in uh in their old ways that uh i don't see it changing anytime soon yeah no absolutely look plan and set the schedule up front and then just manage the exceptions just like the epl does manage yeah. those exceptions so whether that when there's a conflict because there's european competitions because there's cup games going on those are exceptions manage the exceptions and put the schedule out but it's it's just It's just it's just incredible, man. Uh, what uh, what this league is has done, and 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 when you talk about being progressive, perhaps their idea of progression is a guy on a freaking hoverboard delivering <laughs> the ball for the Portuguese Cup final, or that's not even uh, the league. That's not even the league. That's the federation. That's right. Or a robot <laughs> uh, bringing a, a little RC car, bringing the ball to the referee. For the final, I, you know, if that's your, if that's the progress that you've made, and like you said, it's it's the FPF, but but still, um, I I just think that you know the the league is in very very bad hands, and and it's it goes beyond Provenza, right? Because before Provenza take over, this was already happening, but really, if you want to make Portuguese football attractive, uh, and understanding that. Uh, Portugal, as a country of 10 million or so people, um, to produce the level of talent that, that Portugal has produced in the past years, there should be an interest from the outside, right? Because I want to know where the next Bernardo Silva is coming from. I want to know where the next Juan Felix is coming from. And these are guys that are today in the biggest clubs that came from, from the Portuguese league, but yet the league doesn't make itself attractive to the, to the, to the, to the third party or, uh, uh, or, or neutral to be interested in the league, right? Because they sit down and they watch a, a, a Tondela Murenense game with nobody in the stands with poor quality, with, with the worst record of, uh, of, time played with, with the football, active time played with the football. It's just, it's, it's, it's awful, awful. I think Portugal deserves better than this. I think that there's a lot of good work that's being done at the youth level by a lot of clubs, not just Benfica, Porto and Sporting. There's also a very good um, generation of coaches that have come out of Portugal Uh, that are still coming out of Portugal. They're they're coaching some of the biggest clubs in Europe, and 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 these people deserve more from the Portuguese league than what the Portuguese league offers. They really do, man. They really do. Yeah. It's a shame. It's it's it seems like you literally you just got to do your 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 time if that's either one or two years in the 
in this league, and it's it's being used as a as a feeder system to the bigger bigger leagues. Which I mean, my money talks. But if we start cleaning uh, cleaning up and uh, getting our own house in order, the sky's the the limit. Obviously, you're not going these these smaller clubs aren't going to go and compete against uh epl clubs but at least get the the house in order and maybe make it more of an attractive league uh to uh to outsiders yeah no absolutely and and that's what it's all about because if you want people to invest in your league and you want people to sponsor your league you need to make it attractive you need to put out a good product and and if you listen to our podcast on a regular basis you know this is a this is a topic conversation every now and again uh, especially with with the scheduling and especially with the active uh, game time, so on and so forth. But anyway, Dave. Speaking of sponsors, I think next uh, next year is supposed to be a new uh, league sponsor. Uh, league uh, Nosh is no longer going to be the uh, sponsor of the league, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to be the sponsor, do you know? Uh, let, me, uh, let me get back to you on that. Uh, I think they might have already released it, but uh, I'll take a look at that there yeah, for you. I don't know. Any numbers on this uh, Guimarães game, or do you want to just skip it? Uh, just, I think we already spoke about it. It's a federal weekend that ended up with uh, 22 goals scored this season, just one shy of a uh, Sporting's player with 23. And uh, he all, was also one shy of his uh, career best of 23 that he scored, uh, I believe, two seasons ago with that Juan Felix uh, squad. And uh, Everton with his eighth goal of the season, uh, four of those goals coming within the last seven matches. So that also ties into what we were saying that he's coming in, getting used to the league. And uh, we're really seeing that top form of his uh, that we were expecting to see when we bought him uh, at the beginning of the uh, season. Yeah. If, if Seferovic hadn't squandered so many opportunities, this wouldn't have been a, 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 a close race like it was. Well, that and we also got to remember that he was uh, he wasn't even starting for a big chunk of those games at the uh, beginning of the season, too. Right. So still finishing with 22 goals is nothing to uh, be upset about, considering that uh, he played uh, significantly less minutes uh, compared to the uh, the winner. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, So the Portuguese Cup uh, happens this um, this Sunday, 830 local. Here's another one. Right. Every Portuguese cup is played in the afternoon at five o'clock in the afternoon at Stade de Jamor. Now, and, and I get that you don't have fans and it's regardless, but even if I had fans, they would have it at 8.30 on a Sunday night when people need to go to work the following day, which is just, just, just dumb shit, man. It's just dumb. Uh, 8.30, and I think, the, what, what are they playing, in Coimbra? Or they're playing in yeah, Coimbra they're playing in Coimbra. Yeah. Coimbra. They're playing in Coimbra, and, and Benfica will face Braga. Braga has had a, a not-so-great uh, end of the season. I think they've only won two of their last eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Benfica obviously comes in this game at a met, much better level uh, than Braga. Um, I'll give you what, what each team had to, um, had to go through to get to this final. Braga uh, defeat Trofense, Montijo, Torriense, Santa Clara, uh, Porto, they took them to penalties and ended up winning in penalties. Uh, Benfica, really, I mean, we always complain about draws and, and facing uh, difficult teams, but Paredes, Vila Franquense, Club Futebol Estrela, Bolonense and Estoril. Um, out of those teams, Benfica played one team in the first league, which was uh, Bolonense. Bissad, yeah. Bra- or Bissad, yeah. Braga, Porto, Santa Clara were the two uh, teams that uh, from the first league that they that they played. So um, 18 goals scored for Benfica, only one allowed throughout this uh, Portuguese Cup campaign. For Braga, 20 goals scored, five allowed. Uh, so it should be an interesting match. Uh, and I think that uh, regardless of, um, of, of Braga uh, having the, the, the last stretch of the season as they've had, uh, I think that they're not going to go away without a fight. Uh, and I hope that Benfica understands what's at stake here in terms of the season, right? Because this season has, has, has been an abomination uh, in terms of results and, and what it has been. Uh, and we've discussed the excuses ad nauseum here um, in this podcast, and, and, and I'm ready to get past those excuses. Let's start the next season 
with a win in this Portuguese cup. Uh, and then we could set up a, a super cup uh, match with Sporting to start the 2021-2022 season. Dave, thoughts on this game, bro? And and what, what kind of gimmick do you think that the FPF will have prepared for this um, game beforehand? I don't know. I think they're going to keep it uh, simple this year and have something to do with uh, healthcare workers or something uh, to do with uh, the pandemic. I think that's the the easy way of going about it. I don't know if you're going to get a, a doctor or a, yeah. a nurse delivering the the ball, but I think they're going to go that uh, that route. Um, well, how I'm feeling into this game, if if the Braga that we've been seeing these last uh, last couple of weeks down the stretch, I feel confident in Benfica's uh, ability uh, to go out and get the uh, the uh, the trophy at the uh, at the end of this match but uh maybe this is what what they have to play for to to uh to be considered a successful season from their standards because at one point they were in second place and uh though they uh they got some uh some key injuries uh, on their back line there and, and things really started to go south for them but um, they're a team that has caused this uh, difficulties already uh, this season, um, winning two of the three two, matches two, that yeah. we played. Uh, that we played against them, the, our two 0 victory at their house came with them only having uh, or playing a, a man down for I believe uh, sixty minutes yeah. uh, plus. So uh, it's going to be an interesting game to see. Hopefully, um, both both teams come to uh, to play their attacking style of uh of football and uh it's it's just something that uh the even the neutrals uh can come in and watch a, a good game and uh i don't think there's too much animosity before between the the two clubs so uh, i'm not expecting too many extra curriculars uh but uh overall i think we come away as uh champions yeah you know that's not a bad shout in terms of uh the the kickoff presentation uh, that it would be uh, healthcare workers, which have been um, tireless um, contributors uh, to the health system in, in Portugal and, and, and the whole um, country and the citizens whatsoever. I, and I think that if, if the FBF took a, a moment to uh, really pay tribute to those people, the many, many people uh, in the front lines, working very long, extended hours, uh, seeing uh, people fade um, under their care. You know, I think I think that would be a, a really nice gesture by the FBF. Let's hope that uh, they do that and they don't do some kind of a dumb shit of a dog uh, bringing a ball to the center of the field or some guy in a hoverboard or, or whatever. Um, They're going to use that, uh, the Portuguese Marine drone that they, they yeah. threw and it went off the side of the, the cliff there. They're going to use that <laughs> one to deliver the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, that works out. But before we go, Dave, uh, there was a lot of a lot of uh, talk in terms of allowing uh, some people into the stadium, especially now that Portugal is definitely at a much better um spot than they were a few months back. Um, we don't know what this whole sporting celebration is going to bring uh, in, the, in, in a couple of weeks or a week or so, but I've already read that there was a, a, an uptick in cases in the Lisbon area and, th and that they were thinking that they, it might have been because of the sporting thing. But anyway, um, the champion, let me, let me give you some context. The Champions League uh, or UEFA decided they were going to host the Champions League at the Estadio do Dragão uh, in Portugal and that they were going to allow 10,000 people uh, from Manchester City, 10,000 people from Chelsea. Obviously, a lot of those were pro are probably going to be corporate sponsorships from, from the club, so I don't know how many regular fans will get to attend. But if you UEFA felt that this could be done. And, and I'm sure they consulted the Portuguese government. The Portuguese government said, yes, okay, you could do this. Why not do the same for the Portuguese Cup? Portuguese Cup and, and even these last two weeks of the season, because this, is, this isn't something that was just brought on today. This is something that's been in the talks for the last two weeks. So I know they were talking about 
uh, having fans even for this the last uh, matches of the season for for today's matches, and then they ultimately called it off, saying that it gave yeah. uh, clubs uh, an unfair advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I get I that. I get that. Yeah, if they were going to do that, they should have done it. They had time to do it this past Saturday and the with the the last two matches of the the season. If you wanted to do it that way, but some reason uh, they couldn't get. Again, once again, this league couldn't get their shit in order, and uh, then they, they decide no, the last match of the season they can open up to fans. And then, guess what? Uh, uh, not even forty-eight hours uh, before kickoff, they decide to change that as well and say that a uh, unfair advantage to those clubs that are fighting for either relegation or European yeah. uh, competition spots. But then, it, like it, this final against Benfica Braga. Uh, it, it's at a neutral ground. It's uh, it's not like it's going to be in Braga or it's going to be in Lisbon. It's in Coimbra. And if you divide the the stadium, you know we're not saying to open it up to a hundred percent capacity, right? If if you're allowing ten thousand fans, uh, ten thousand foreign fans, right? We're we're talking about British clubs here that are playing in the Champions League final. So. Um, I know things are going great in Britain right now with their their COVID cases, right? But who's to say that there's a var- another variant, right, coming in from uh, a different country to uh, to Portugal, right? So, it, it, at the end of the day, we all know why they they're letting the uh, Champions League finals with with fans. Money talks, and uh, they're probably they're getting more money from uh, from UEFA than they are for this uh, this cup final here but yeah. just uh more just disorganization within uh, portuguese football yeah allow ten thousand people um from each from uh, and i don't know what the capacity of uh of the Coimbra stadium is um but ten thousand maybe five five thousand each perform a pcr rapid test whatever in the beginning um if you're negative you're in if you're positive sorry uh but there's ways of doing things that this league could get their shit together and, and they haven't. Um, it's being done in, in MLS. The MLS now has fans. Uh, and it's being done in other countries where they're, they've allowed fans in. I know the Netherlands has, has allowed fans in. I think France. I want to say France also. But I'm not completely sure, so don't, don't, don't take my word for that. But certainly, yes, this, this could have been uh, an exercise by the league and by the FPF, uh, a test uh, to see how this could be handled because that we don't know what's going to happen come August when the league starts. We don't know. We still don't know if fans are going to be allowed, but certainly if you take the time and, and do a test and you put together some kind of a program to allow fans to come in little by little, now that there's a lot of vaccination going on in, in, in Portugal, then you kind of set yourselves up to um, to have a successful start of the season. And when you look at a lot of clubs in the Liga Nos that depend so much on ticket sales and, and turnstile uh, revenue, uh, this would have just been another action to help out those clubs again. You know, it's just one of those things, man. They don't, they don't care. They don't care about the clubs. And, and look, I'm all about being safe, but I think that there's ways that, that of things that think ways that things could be done, be safe and still allow people to watch games and use it as a test for the future. Yeah. I, one, one thing's for sure. I uh, definitely wasn't a, an, an easy season for anybody uh, at the league level, right? We saw during the, the stretches here where clubs are playing, it seems like a game every three days, game every four days, or not even four days. It was basically a game every three days. So um, season's over. Let's hope that we never have to go through another season uh, like we just went through. Um, in terms of the fixture congestion and and just how Benfica ultimately performed there uh, in the the middle of the, the season, but that's we'll save that for next week's uh, recap uh, and uh, autopsy of the the season uh, podcast. But 
let's just hope we never have to go through one of these uh, seasons ever again. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And, and as Dave mentioned, next um, next week we will have we'll recap the Braga game or the Portuguese Cup game, which we hope will be victorious. And we'll also do our, our sell, loan, or keep segment that we do at the end of every season. And I promise you, it's not going to be uh, not going to be pretty. Uh, so it's a fire uh, sale. It's a fire sale. So. So check back with us uh, next Tuesday. We'll be back. Hopefully, Cristiano will be back also, and we'll uh, we'll put a bow on the season. and And uh, I I just can't wait for the season to be uh, behind us and to really forget it, uh, and to have the season and next to the season have a little asterisk um, that stands for every single excuse that has been used both by the club and JJ. Uh, for the for the shitty season that we've had efforts after such a large investment. Anyway, um, at 10 co 10 at 87DO87, at Bifico Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and all that good stuff. Uh, don't forget to check us out. We're also part of the Bifico Independent uh, Network. Check that out, bificoindependent.com. Thank you very much for checking us out. We'll speak to you again next week. Dave, always a pleasure, my friend. Take care, everyone. Ciao.